Hey, yo, what's good, what's good, what's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the road podcast presented by DJ City and Beat Source. I'm one of your hosts, DJ Crooked. We have DJ Never here. Yo, yo, what up? We got Jamie the Great. Yep. And we got a special guest. I know this dude from New York, all right? Mm-hmm. But this he's from originally from Pittsburgh and, and L.A. I kind of want to know where he claims, you know? <laughs> we'll talk to him. Yo, this guy's like a jack of all trades. He's like an entrepreneur, DJ producer. He's won championships. I mean, like uh, the McDonald's DJ championship mm-hmm. and uh, also the master of the mix as well. I've known him for this mixtape series he had, which was like the Super 7 series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like uh, never, like I think you were telling me he toured, right? He toured with a bunch of artists. A bunch of artists. Yeah. He's basically touched almost every like aspect of DJing and music mm-hmm. and he's here in Vegas he came out here what's up fellas and then you know as we're like setting up and we're getting ready he's like he's talking about cheeses and pizza he was, he's on the phone he was on, on the, the phone conference for like a half hour talking about pizza yeah yeah and cheese <laughs> he's like but yo, no, that's not good for the vegans yeah, you know? I know <laughs> yo we're very happy to have him here JCO what's good man What's up, fellas? It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah, man. So wait, you, you also you came out here to Vegas. You you wanted to hop on a podcast, pause, and then but you also like golf and shit too, right? Big, big into golf right now. Big golf. I'm a fiend. So yeah. Fiend. So you're gonna come out here, you're gonna hit a couple holes, pause. Yeah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but um, you know, I'm I'm rolling out my my debut album right now. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. the Twilight Nine album and I'm in between all that. I'm just trying to reconnect and you know promote that and catch up with all the all the homies and reached out to you of course to yeah, respect yeah. what you guys have been doing for years and um always want an excuse to come to vegas and if i'm in vegas i'm golfing probably partying a little so yeah, it's yeah. like fuck it wait where do you golf which 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 one uh i'll play anywhere man really? depending what those tea times are hitting for oh, which one is your favorite like which one is the nicest one that you've hit in, in vegas? vegas yeah yeah i hear the wind's the popular one the wind is tight i played there um, it's super expensive. Back when like TJR had a residency, he he used to be like a big golfer. Yeah, yeah. and he took me out there one time. But uh, Bears Best is a spot I play out here. Mm, Pretty shit. dope. Damn man, I did wait. So you also in pizza, right? Because you were talking cheeses on on your conference call. Yeah. So uh, a couple years ago during the pandemic, me and my brother, who's an insane chef, um, opened up Gorilla Pies, which is like an artisan pizza spot, pizza wings, salads, like okay. calamari. Where did you like, open that though? Where? Where? Yeah. It's in uh, Studio City, North Hollywood area, in L.A., in the Valley. And, like, my brother used to be the head chef of Nobu, Mama Shelter, like a Michelin star Indian spot in New York. Wow. So his, like, skills as a chef is just out of here. And then during the pandemic, you know, all the restaurants closed down, and he happened to live two blocks away from me at the time in Sherman Oaks in L.A. And growing up, um, every Sunday was pizza night with my family, right? And, like, we couldn't see each other, or we could see each other, but we couldn't see other people and, like, really go out and go to restaurants and whatnot. So he's like, fuck it, I'm going to just start making pizza and, like, working on a dough recipe just for us. Mm. Then after, like, a couple months, he's like, yo, this is pretty fire. And all these people were doing, like, um, you know, pop-ups out of their cribs, like, little kind of food things because everything was closed. He's He's like, fuck it, let's try. And he's sitting there making up, making pizza for us, and I'm just, like, trying to think of names. And I was like... It was like a guerrilla underground movement, but like G-U-E, you know, like. Right, right. And I was like, trying to think of names with that. I was like, yo, but Gorilla the Animal is just like way more animated, the logo. And I was just like, Gorilla Pies. And just right there, we're like, yup. Launched it out of his crib, just kind of word of mouth. And um, caught caught some heat. And while that was kind of building up, like we weren't even marketing. Where, where'd you catch heat from? Just like, you know, word of 
Word of mouth, like next door, just kind of like local neighborhood people were talking about it. You know, people just really loved his pizza. Oh, I thought people were hating on the shit. No. No. Oh, no. So like everyone was ordering the good, shit. Good heat. So good what heat. was, what was, wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's two different good types heat of heat. sounds nice. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so wait, wait, what were the initial pies that were, that came out? I'm look, look listen, yeah. man. You're, you know, turns to New York. He's talking about pizza. Guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm a New York guy, so you know, I want to hear about this pizza shit. Like, yeah, like, like so. What were the initial pies you set up? I mean, I'm trying to remember, but obviously the standards, like you know, a good margarita, which we call the kitten, mm-hmm. and then the basic Benny, which is our take on a pepperoni, but we use sopressata instead of pepperoni because it's mm-hmm. like a higher. Higher grade, yeah, yeah. spicy Italian meat. Mm-hmm. And then he would do just like little specialty things here and there, just messing around with like the classics. But like after we open, like his signature pie game is out of here. Like he's got crazy, crazy. shit. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Wow. So like, you're, so this is like what, when did you guys launch? 21? 20? I guess, yeah. About 20. 20. I mean, my yeah. notes is no. 2021. Yeah, no, um, yeah, the summer of twenty one. Well, the um, the restaurant opened. The spot opened in twenty twenty one. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So while we were building all this stuff, just you know, out of the apartment, my dad, who's like super resourceful, just like OG supportive father, he just thought was like, oh, I'm gonna casually look around for restaurants, and we bought out this spot that was going out of business for like a third of their asking price. Wow. And it was just like too cheap to not try it, you know, because he'd been the top chef at all these like super you know, established, respected spots, but he's doing other people's shit. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, I want to yeah. do my own shit. Right. Sounds like I, the bear. Yeah. <laughs> no, like you know, straight up, I love <laughs> that show. At this point. I love that show. <laughs> I love that show. <laughs> and I tell my brother to watch it. He's like, bro, it's way too close to home. He's, really? like, he's like, that's that's my fucking life right now. <laughs> the second season is really good. Yeah. 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 Good show. Wait, nah. so who are you in the bear? Are you Richie? Nah. I'm a- <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's an amazing episode. So like, if, if you guys don't know about this show, The Bear, it's on FX, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. on its second season. Yeah. If you don't watch the whole show, there's one episode you need to watch, mm-hmm. which the, is the my spoon, favorite. The Spoon. Yes, which is the seventh episode of season two. Mm-hmm. And it's all about this character, Richie, but you see the transformation of this guy. And it's probably like, it, I was I was like floored. I watched that episode like, like three One times. of the best episodes. That was like yeah. the tweaker cousin brother that like turned his life around, right? Just from yeah. working at yeah. like a high established yeah. restaurant. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but I'm neither of those dudes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> nah, like I don't. I don't actually work in the shop, so I do all the branding and marketing for it. So you're like the sister then, right? Kind of behind the scenes. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Or my tits aren't as nice, but yeah, yeah. I'm like the sister. <laughs> um, no, nah, but I do the branding and marketing for it, and then I coordinate all the like offsite special event stuff, and then I'm also kind of heading up the, just the uh, the whole idea in terms of expanding and getting new partners and bringing money in and because like this thing is like the brand is crazy the food is crazy but it's really just kind of me and him on the operation side and you know i'm my vision for the next one like the one right now it's kind of like a mom and pop shop you know seats maybe 20 people but like i envision like a big like sports bar pizza parlor scenario where you could come up with like Mm -hmm. 10 friends watch a game chill like beer garden 
have like oh so you want to make it like become like a sports bar you want to expand it yeah just like a big kind of like more of a gathering space and just like come in and get pizza and leave you know mm. i was telling and like you should have bought some pies with him so we could test it out yeah we're gonna rate him yeah. i know i know opportunity <laughs> i was there I, I, it's, a, it's a missed opportunity we, right there he, he said it was a four-hour drive but we could have heated it up that's yeah. true i did i did i did go there last night and I could have brought some shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you submitted a proper request, I would have I would have obliged. If we were a bigger podcast, he would have nah, brought nah, it. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> if we were David Portnoy. Never, we just not there yet. I know. Yes. We, we, you know? Well, we almost there. When we start getting free pizzas and free food and shit. <laughs> that's that's nah. when you know we made Before it. That's when you know we made it. Y'all talk that shit, but when you come to LA, and I'm going to take care of y'all. So. Yeah. I'll be in LA this weekend. So, oh, there you go. So come check it. I'm going to check it. We're I'm expecting a review. You're, you're going to be happy. Yeah. Yo, we've had like six-year-old old New Yorkers coming in like, yeah, I'll be the judge of this. And like, they're later like, yo, this is the best crust I've ever had. Really? Like, OG yeah. New York, motherfucker. Oh, wait, so what style of pizza? Is it New York? Well, it's actually like my brother's kind of pioneering a new style okay. right now. He's calling it Pittsburgh-style pizza because that's where we grew up. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I was wondering. Yeah. Okay. So it's basically like in it's kind of hard to pin down exactly what it is because to me, it's just like, this is my brother's pizza. Yeah, but what's, what's Pittsburgh-style pizza? I well, know Detroit pizza is right. like, like well, you said, it's like a thin well, crust. Sicilian, well, it's, right? it's thin and then the outside, it's basically, basically like a, in layman's terms, it's like New York meets Neapolitan because it's like thin on the inside, nice puffy, but like charred crust bubbles mm-hmm. on the crust. And um, But the main thing about Pittsburgh, the, my brother, the chef, um, brings up is that like our cheese blend it isn't just straight mozzarella it's a mozzarella provolone blend mm. so that's like kind of a unique thing but kind of the main thing about pittsburgh is like if you've been to pittsburgh or like to Pramani's, where they got like the crazy sandwiches with the fries and like all the shit on it's the most amazing sandwich yeah it's just really like anything goes type shit wait how do you say it Pramani's? Pramani brothers yeah i used to call it priamontes I'm pronouncing it wrong, right? I'm reading Way it wrong. wrong. You're, giving it, you're giving them too much credit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I used to call them Primatis. Okay, yeah. I, I love yeah. those sandwiches. They're fucking amazing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if they're good, as good at like- Sober hours? Yeah, 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 I'm about to say, I've never tried it. It's that too. You would love that shit. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's a mess, but it's bomb. Yeah. It's so good. It's just yeah. like French fries in the sandwich, and uh-huh. it's just amazing. It's just yeah, but it's 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 tastes like heaven at yeah. like two a.m. We actually do at, at Gorilla Pies <laughs> on occasion. We'll do a special like Primani pizza with like a crazy pizza with fries on top. Like it's wild. Oh man! Yeah. All right, so this is going well for you guys. It is, man. Like we've since we opened, like we don't pay uh, pay for any like PR. It's just all me hustling through like connections and people reaching out to us. But like we've been in. LA Times top ten new spots nice. two years in a row. Eater nice. loves us. Like we've been on national, national news, local news. Like it's kind of crazy. Wow. Like to the point where like random restaurants come in. Like who does your PR? Like can we hire them? And I'm like, yo, like it's me. <laughs> Ta da! It's just a good ass product, yeah. right? But I think what makes it so easy for me is a, it's my brother. B, it's amazing food. So and so I have an attachment to it, and it's just like. I kind of approached marketing for Gorilla Pies like I did for myself as an artist or DJ, and it's so much fucking easier, dude. I talk about Cause, it. Because, you know, for us, like, as DJs, artists, whatever, we're very, like, self-aware of, like, what we're saying, how we look, you know, how people are going to perceive us, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So I'm way more self-conscious about whatever I post about me than Gorilla Pies. Everyone loves pizza. Everyone loves good food. The food looks bomb. Say some shit. 
people love it. You know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? It's just so much easier, but just applying that kind of mentality of like what I say and what I post as, as if like the pizza were a DJ, you know, but it, it just has connected and right. like it's grown like pretty good, pretty quick. So I'm just trying to like catch up to the growth and figure out expansion. Like I'm reading books on franchising and shit. Like I never thought I would have been a restaurant owner a couple of years ago, but mm-hmm. it just fell into my lap and it's, it's just kind of a beautiful thing. Cause for years, you know, like my brother was just like grinding as a chef, like in the back of the house and I was DJing, touring, you know, I won these battles yeah. and, you know, DJ with these rappers. So I was like kind of like the star of the family or whatever. And it just feels good to like, give him his props and like we go on the news and I'm bigging him up you know mm-hmm. it's just like it feels really good is he older younger he's older he's, he's three, older about three years oh yeah man. that's dope that you guys worked that out together right yeah man it's it's wild well the, the funny thing that you mentioned is that you were saying like you know you adapted the marketing from a DJ perspective right, right. because you were uh, essentially you were the first product that you were selling right yep. yeah exactly Especially. the only thing is when you're selling a DJ product it's like the DJ has to adapt to any Situation. I don't know any every client, right? So it's mm-hmm. actually harder, right? Because way like, harder, yeah, it's way harder. But when you have a good product like a like a pizza, yeah, it's kind of like it's all about consistency, yeah. Whereas and like a DJ is like it should be consistent, but it has to adapt to the rooms and crowds and yeah. situations, the newer trends. But when you're selling yeah. a good product like a pizza, yeah. it just literally has to be good and stay good every time and taste the same whenever pizza, right? Because music and DJing and whatever, it's all just very opinion based. Like some people like shit, some people don't. But literally every person needs to eat two to three times a day. So like yeah. not one human on this earth is going to see food and be like, oh, I don't, I don't fuck with food. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? No, I, I mm-hmm. understand it. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because when you when you I remember I was talking to one of my boys. He owns like a actually Fuku Burger. I was speaking mm-hmm. to Colin back in mm-hmm. the day. Yeah. And he was like, Fuku Burger is one of my favorites. It's the best burger in Vegas. Right. In our opinion. It's like a Japanese style uh, burger. Right. Um, they like marinate the the beef patties and like uh, sake, and they do all this crazy shit. It's amazing. Um, but I remember him telling me when they were expanding or like opening their first their food truck when they were right. expanding to like a, an actual location, he wanted to make it a bar, and I was just like, man, like. I think you're just better off making it like a burger spot that yeah. any family can go to. Like, cause you want it family oriented. Like, yeah. I don't want like a bar where, like, you know, like you're gonna have to deal with fucking drunk people and all yeah. that shit. So I was thinking about your pizza spot and I was like, you know, I think of like Taco Bell. Like, Taco Bell has locations you just get food and it's right. just like food focused. Right. But then they have the cantina, right? Is that the like the cantina. new aspect? Cantina. Yeah. They have the cantina joint. Yeah. I feel like, yo, if you guys can expand, this is just my opinion. Yeah. I feel like just focus on the food and get the food out there. Right. And then do the bar aspect like later as like a. Well, just like the whole thing. Because like, Kurt, I like a lot. Of, I've talked to a lot of people about that and they have certain, you know, opinions yeah, yeah. on keep the same concept, just do it more places. But where my head is at is just like the food is so fucking good. And just like if people could enjoy that in a better bigger atmosphere yeah with you know tvs and games it's just like it's more of like a dream spot where i i want to have a spot where i could host tons of people and like you and your kids soccer team could come and you and your boys could come yeah yeah and just make it more like a gathering space and also just how i'm so dialed in with just like nightlife and just like entertainment Mm -hmm. people and this and that like if i have a spot like that like I want to have on the weekends have like DJs just playing like dope classics, just party stuff, or just like right, right, normal yeah. people to come turn up at a bar that it's not like some 
uppity club shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then that drives bar sales, which drives late night pizza mm-hmm. sales, you know, and just like a spot that has a bar just because you just make like in a restaurant, it'll double your bill. You know, like right, we right. all go out to eat and have a couple of drinks. You're like, damn, I had an entree and a few drinks and shit's $120. Right, you know right, right. Yeah. I know where I'm going this weekend. Man. I'm hungry. <laughs> I got to go check yeah. that spot. Gorilla Pies, right? Gorilla Pies, yeah. All right, cool. And they're on Postmates and all that shit? Yeah, we're on all the apps, all the social shit. Pull up. If you're in L.A., you will... Make a trip, you'll be very happy. I'm gonna give you my honest, uh, my honest critique. Too. You gotta do, you gotta do. A vlog, <laughs> I expect like, nothing less. <laughs> you gotta do a vlog like Roy Choi did. And, You're like, yeah, hi, yeah. I'm crooked. I'm a hater ass New Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. How many other DJs have food shit though? Right, Steve Aoki. Mm-hmm. Steve Aoki has a has pizza. Yo, shit bring it, yeah. Steve. Bring it your shit, uh, dog. Let's but Steve, th- but Steve Aoki's nah. like pizza shit looks like kind of Tiger's like chi- uh, nah, chicken yeah. sandwich shit, right? Yeah, yeah. That or was like a company just came and nah, yeah. He probably use all service. Yeah. I mean, mad love to Steve. He's yeah. the man. But Gorilla Pies will shit on yeah. Pizza Yoki. Wow. Hey. You oh, you got, the, you got the Ben Davis uh, looking logo. That's yeah, we sick. flipped the Ben Davis logo. We had our boy, actually, this dude, Archer. He actually was the designer for Marathon, for Nipsey's oh, yeah, clothing yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. He did all their shit. He's been our homie for years. We told him the idea, and uh, he killed it. Yeah. Damn, man. There so, you go. The, ad- the address is 12417 Burbank Boulevard, North Hollywood, California, 91607. If you guys want to pull the out. fuck up, uh, <laughs> is there a discount for DJs or no? Yeah, uh, we could work something. Well, I know Jace here. We need the road pie. For, for, for every $20 you spend, you get like an order of four, four wings for free. You, you, get, get, a, a you get a USB with all my edits. Yeah, you get a request a <laughs> song on the overhead. <laughs> and I see you guys only open, what is it, uh, Wednesday to Sunday, right? Yeah, and we're not even open for lunch right now, too. Because his fucking brother needs some time off. Man. Yeah. Probably- that, and like, that's another issue with opening up more locations, just where we're at. It's kind of middle of the valley. There's not much retail or like foot traffic. It's all destination. So I want to be more central LA. Like, yeah, yeah. you know. Shit, man. So, guys. <laughs> wish you good luck, man. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. I wish I mean, you good luck. Big I'm review I'm, coming this weekend. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to try it, man. If, so, it ain't, <laughs> if it ain't shit, I'll let y'all know. But if it's amazing, <laughs> please do. <laughs> yeah, but so I want to talk to you of how like I met you. Or how I knew of you. Okay. All right. So like I when I like in 2005 when I was leaving New York, that's when you started. That's when you kind of came to New York, right? Because you're originally from Pittsburgh or L.A. Well, I was born in L.A. Uh-huh. Then in eighth grade I moved to Pittsburgh. Right. And then in college I went to Boston. Mm, you've been everywhere. Yeah. Though. And then after uh, after I graduated, I was there a couple years, and then I moved to New York for about five years. But in 2005, I was still in Boston, but I would come to New York a lot. That's do, what it do is. Events. Oh, okay. And then I moved down there, I think, 07. 07. Is when I actually made the move, but I was in New York like a couple times a month. Because I was I was confused because I don't know if you spun it Opus 22 or if you, like, if I, I think you were just around and you were like, I, I'll open for your going away party. And I think I had a going away party with like... Sean Perry was DJing, Eleven, Momo was DJing, mm-hmm. and it was like my last weekend in New York. I'm having a real, but real think, vague memory of this. But yeah, <laughs> but I think this is when you yeah. first started like coming to New York. And yeah, it was like, oh. no, that that makes sense because people yeah. were like, "Oh, he's good, he's good," but like we didn't really know much about you, right, right, like that. But I don't remember it like clearly. But then I started remembering. Like when you did a Red Bull three style battle with like Momo and Momo won. Yeah, yeah, and that was Brooklyn. Like, oh shit. You was, you was tight. <laughs> oh, right? that was the yeah, infamous Momo win. Yeah, yeah that was some bullshit. 
I mean, I love Moment. He's an incredible. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. DJ. Let's, let, let's paint uh, the a picture. A lot of DJs was heated because we know Mo, we know Moment's side of the story. Yeah, yeah. Let's, but we don't know anybody. Let's else. Let's paint the picture though. Like this is the Red Bull Three Style Battle at Southpaw in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. Which is closed. Shout to Southpaw. Yeah. And they used to have the rub there. Yeah. Um. Shout to the rub too. The rub just yeah. ended finished. Uh, after 21 years. Shout to Eleven yeah. Airs and mm -hmm. Cosmo. Anyway, at Southpaw. There was this, there was a Red Bull three star battle. Sujit was a, a judge, right? Yeah, from yeah. scam artists. Uh -huh. And Moma like went up there and he didn't plan any set, no. and he just played a bunch of like soca and yeah. like, dance hall and destroyed it, and he fucking won. And you came out there. You had like this whole routine. You had you had like cheerleaders. You had like dancers with you. You I had this whole shit. I, I forget. Had, I I forget exactly. No, what dude, I did. dude. You had you you. you I went in. You had like cheerleaders. You had a whole show. You had crying. Right. You had a t-shirt gun. <laughs> Shooting that t-shirts. Yeah. You had a motherfucker doing. Because like, I came from like battle battling, you know. So I'm yeah. like, I'm gonna make this a show, yeah. you know. And but then you lost. But you were like tight. You were. I, I mean, I think I got second or third, but. Even I thought I, I should have won that, but yeah. you know, battles are always there's always some shit going down. <laughs> there's always some shit. Sounds going like you never got over. You remember that though, right? You remember that? Of course, yeah. Shit, fuck. I mean, I got over it when I got the big win. So there we go. There we fucking go. Wait, wait, wait. This so is wait. before or after the TV show. That this was before. before. This is okay. way before. Okay. This is like what? Maybe Three when you first before. moved out there? 2010, I want to say. Uh, that was like right before I moved back to LA. Oh, okay. After I lost that shit, I was like, fuck New York, man. Come back like, to LA. <laughs> Pizza sucks here. <laughs> <laughs> fuck Mama. Fuck Suji. I'm going to Fuck all you motherfuckers. I fucking love Mama. Mama's the best. Or if you're down yeah. with Scam, fuck you too. Mama, I remember Mama hit me. He's like, uh, hey, I just won uh, the Red Bull 3 stuff battle. <laughs> And he was like, man, JCO was so mad. He was so <laughs> mad, bro. <laughs> he's like, uh, he's like, and I felt bad because I didn't plan anything. I just went there and I played a bunch of He said of he was playing like Be Faithful. Well, he Jack played, Michael well, Jackson, Jackson the, 5, a munchie back. The well, turning point is when he just did drop the Soka set and uh -huh. everyone just wilded the fuck out. I remember Moma said that he knew half of the crowd. So he knew what they liked. So that was he. I mean, it's, Brooke, it's also that shit was it's, rigged, bro. It's yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's Brooklyn, though. You know what to play in Brooklyn. You got yeah, exactly. heavy dance hall. But, but you would, you, but yeah. you would think a Red Bull three style. I battle. was on some forward thinking, like DJ shit, half battle, half party rock shit. Yeah. Just kind of like my own style of the shit. Yeah. But I mean, whatever for those judges. <laughs> guess, guess, guess they didn't appreciate my shit as much. He's still so. feeling a certain way about it. <laughs> ah, nah, little, not that, at all. That pizza's a little salty over there. <laughs> nah. Nah, nah. A little salty over there. Yeah. That no, I'm just kidding. Nah. Yeah. But no, you went on to win the McDonald's championship, right? Yeah. Which was what year? 2011, 12, something like that? I, the, I think the McDonald's I, flavor. I think it was 11. Because I think I I lived in New York when it started. Then I moved to L.A. and then I had to come back for for that battle. So my question is this: When did you start the Super Seven uh, mixtape series? series. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, in case you don't know, you are now rocking with the best. Hey, you're rocking to the sound of the legendary DJ Jazzy Jazz. Because I remember yeah. DJ Eleven was on the first. Yeah, one. that like, was. Yo, dude, yeah. like if you look at this, I don't know if you guys know about this series, but this is an insane series when you look at is it now. Like yeah, the level of talent that you got on these mixtapes. So basically, I was like, all these different DJs 
I was doing a ton of mixtapes and wanted to collab with like a bunch of DJ homies across the world who wanted to do mixtapes and stuff. But it was always like really hard to tie people down and actually knock out a collab mixtape, you right. know? So I was thinking, how can I collab with the most amount of DJs on one mixtape? And, you know, we're burning CDs at that time. It's like, so I'm like, if I got a 70, 80 minute CD, I could probably fit like seven DJs doing like 10 minutes, give or take a couple minutes. And I was like, fuck it. I was like, I'm gonna call the shit Super 7, reached out to like my closest homies at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, the first one came out and it just kind of went off the whole like kind of DJ community. Like, I mean, this is the first one. It's like Steve Wonder because uh, Morse Code, 11, Benzie, I mean. Uh, Damn. Plattern, like yeah. that's that's a that's at that time at that had, time those are the heads those are the fucking dudes and then you had like fashion spider excel team canada mos scene clutch ross one scratch one. bastard ross one uh jazzy jeff z trip i did the big one right it was volume five right that was volume five did look at this lineup jazzy jeff revolution mm -hmm. uh z trip gas lamp killer i'm, I'm assuming mick boogie and Vajra. Yeah. That's it's a huge lineup. Right. So, I like, how did you get all of these guys? Like, I mean, it's crazy. So, why I, were they down? Like, why were they down to, like, come on a mixtape with you? Pause. Basically, just like after I did the first one, like, it got around the whole DJ community, and then people started reaching out to me. Like, I remember after I did the first one, I barely knew fashion, and fashion hit me like, yo, man, I'd love to be on that. Yeah. And you know what fashion is on call. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the same, like, a lot of DJs. He, he's going to let you know. Exactly. He got to be on yeah. it. <laughs> but basically, a lot of DJs who I looked up to, at that time were like reaching out to me to do it i was like damn i think i'm on to something yeah, yeah. i just kept building so how then, did you how did you do it you had you you so first one let's talk about the first one yeah so you hit up like you know 11 and all and steve yeah. wonder and you're like what record 10 minutes i'm just like yo i got this concept for a mixtape everyone does a 10 minute mix no rules just like like exp you know just show your flavor like no rules you know like whatever you're fucking with your you know, your production, your edits, whatever you'd play in a club, like whatever. It's like 10 minutes, like almost like I try to build out like a friendly kind of like sound clash battle, right? Mm -hmm. Where yeah, you just like cut. put your nuts on the table for 10 minutes type shit. I remember at the time when it came out, it reminded me of this movie. It was with um, Tarantino and it was a bunch of like the, the hit directors. It was called The Four Rooms. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Remember that shit? Yeah. yeah. But it was like every dope director mm -hmm. did like, I don't know, 15 minutes or 20 minutes of right. a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And then they put it all together. Together. but uh it's kind of like the, the 20 touch mitch tape the, um, exactly the, the, the deadly venom deadly yeah. venoms yeah 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 mm -hmm. which was uh, yeah which but was basically at the time yeah. with yeah. rappers though yeah yeah. Uh -huh. yeah yeah but that series is kind of what like launched my dj career and touring because yeah. djs like around the world they'd be like hit me be like yo this shit is sick i'll be on it i'm like mm, i don't know but i'll come to come out to whatever country you're yeah. at and come rock a party you know it just kind of like help bring awareness to what i was doing and like Help me, like I, I never, I didn't have a manager or booking agent, nothing at that time, and I was mm -hmm. like touring, hitting different countries, different cities. So I remember being yeah. in Vegas, and yeah. I would, you know, I come to New York and I check back in with like all the homies and stuff, and then you, that your name was buzzing because of the series seven. Right. Obviously, there were motherfuckers that loved it, and they were like haters, of course. So they're like the haters would come up to me like, man, you know this dude JC. I'm like, yeah, I think you know, like he did my going away party, or yeah. like we were DJing, and they're like, man, this dude's trying to come up. 
by putting all these OGs and all these like big name DJs and like have them co-sign them. And I was just like, oh, like I didn't hear about it. Mm-hmm. And then I started seeing the series like the mixtape popping up. Yeah. But it was it's a kind of a genius marketing at the time, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it wasn't that definitely. wasn't even like the idea from the jump. I was just yeah. like, I want to do dope shit, you mm-hmm. know? And like collab with, but then all these other possible. people were just like, "We're down. We want to get in." Yeah, on I mean, to the like the like I remember like Jazzy Jeff had like commented on some shit, and I was like, "Yo, man, I'd love to get you on the next one." He's like, "I'm down," and I'm just like, "Oh shit, I got Jeff." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then once I got Jeff, I hit up whoever. I'm like, "Yo, I got Jeff." They're like, "Oh yeah, I'm on it." You know? <laughs> so it just kind of snowballed like that, and it the series has grown. Like I just released volume eleven. I took a few year hiatus like uh, a couple months ago, and it's like. Oh, you're continuing it? Yeah, bro. Wait, wait. I just so dropped wait, a new wait. one. So wait, how long did one mixtape take? It must have taken a while, no? Well, like, basically how how it works each volume is I lock in who's going to be in it, then mm-hmm. I'll send an email to everyone like, this is, you know, the concept. These are- Everyone's CC'd? Yeah, everyone's CC'd. These are the- So real- everyone's accountable, right? So yeah. if you're like the last one, everyone's like- Yeah. <laughs> and and also one thing, that I, one, one thing that I do, I'm like, whenever as soon as you got your track list, like- Send it in the email chain so you could claim you might have some joints someone else is trying to put in their right, mix. And right. if they're being lazy, like they might have missed the boat on a certain record they want to mm-hmm. fuck with. So, like, you know, I started a chain like that just with the rules, just like ideal deadlines. Usually it ends up getting pushed back because some person is late. Yeah. And then I get all the mixes and then just kind of put them all together in one mix. It's never like clout based or anything. Like, it's all just based on like, how one thing starts, how one thing ends, just to, you know, have the energy go up and down and change. But, I mean, I always have to go first because it's my shit, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to set it on him first. For some reason, I, I swore you had Crooked on your mixtape. I thought that, too. I wasn't a mixtape dude. I know, but for some reason, I thought you was on one but of see, like, this is, this is what we were talking about when I was talking with Nev. I'm like, during this time in the 2000s, there was more of a separation of DJs. It wasn't expected that everyone was doing clubs or like or doing like live events. Mm-hmm. It was like if you were a radio DJ, you more likely did radio and you focused on radio and you might do some like radio events or radio hosted parties yeah. and yeah. clubs. Yeah. And when you were a mixtape DJ, you kind of really only did mixtapes. Mm-hmm. And then club DJs were just kind of club DJs. Like right. we just yeah. did clubs. Mm-hmm. So in the 2000s, I think there was like this this kind of like well mixtape DJs don't do clubs right and then like radio DJs rarely do clubs right yeah. but I think towards the 2010s it started getting a little bit it started merging it started merging where they were like a little bit more because honestly clubs didn't want radio DJs at the clubs right? I didn't know yeah. that you told me that but I, I always told you like I feel like radio DJs were like the superstars in LA yeah and like it was like like see Kelly Fell was in the clubs and in New like York that. at like the bottle service clubs they're like we don't want that radio crowd at our clubs mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like we, that's like if you want to do like a, a club in a bridge and tunnel spot, like in Long Island or fucking uh, New Jersey or whatever, yeah. or even like Suzvani <laughs> at like some strip club, uh-huh. like they'll be like, yeah, that's the radio. That's, cool. that's quote unquote the radio crowd. Oh, kind of like sure. a general yeah. emission crowd yeah. would be a radio crowd. Yeah, but like a bottle service crowd, that's a club DJ. Mm-hmm. So there was okay. this like separation a little bit, like nice. yeah. where like a mixtape DJ or radio DJ would be in a general emission club, yeah, like a large club, yeah. But right. like a club DJ, like me and Eva, we were kind of like specialized <clears throat> bottle service clubs, mm-hmm. like a little, little more high end, but like a little more exclusive, like in right. certain shit, yeah, yeah. yeah. different yeah, yeah. circle. Okay, it was like a different circle. But you were, you were kind of like at that time, you were building a name as a mixtape 
DJ. Kind yeah, of. and I was doing I think clubs. Like, a, like around McBoogie, or you were before McBoogie a little bit? Because um, I remember similar hearing, times. Yeah, similar, similar times, time, right? Yeah. But like I, like my path, like I started like straight underground hip hop battle right. DJ. Then I was on the radio in college and like doing club shit. Yeah. And then I was like touring with some rappers. Then came to New York and I was like still on that battle rap tour shit, but I would do clubs obviously to make money and pay rent. But you were, you were in New Boston, you were like DJing for Ed OG and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Well, in Boston, I had basically DJed for every rapper out of Boston at one point. Crazy. You know, some sort of touring. But like my first tour in Europe was with Ed OG. And we had this group called Special Teams. It was like Ed OG, Jason, and Slain. We put out an album on Duck Down and like toured and like did all Crazy. that shit. That's how it yeah. That's, that's fucking nuts, man. Ed OG? Yeah, yeah man. That's yeah. one of my favorite groups of all time, too. At the same time, yeah, I, I tore, don't know about the, I all did, time, but definitely yeah. <laughs> top ten. I don't top know, man. They're, for for me, they're they're yeah. up there, man. Yeah, <laughs> that first album was definitely fire. First though. album, yeah. but I always love like love comes and goes. Uh -huh. But it like, was, they, they yeah. always they always talked about real shit, but yeah. they, they always had a dope beat. How, how to be a father? <laughs> yeah, yeah, be a father to your child. child yeah. All that shit. Yeah. You know, it was cool though. But through Edo, I got to do cuts on a record with uh, like produced by Pete Rock. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so like shit like that. I did a lot of like kind of hip hop scratches on records where. From some bigger rappers back then, but so nowadays I'm like these kids now, like they don't, they don't, they barely know who fucking Redman is, and I got a group of them. You know? so it's crazy. <laughs> wait, wait. So wait, I want to talk about the Redman group with okay. you. Okay, but the Super Seven. You're actually. Yeah. When did you start relaunching? When did it end? And when did you relaunch? Well, it never like truly ended. It was just like I forget, the last one I put out before this, this in, most current one was in June or something, right? I just put out one out in June, but before that, it was like probably like four years before. Four. I think it was just because I just was really focused on production and putting out stuff and like touring and more of the artist world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I don't honestly, I don't even know. I think it was like my managers at the time were just not as gun ho about it. I'm like, dude, this thing is like done wonders for me, and they were just like, oh, focus on this or focus on that. Yeah. But I got just got kind of sidetracked, and you know, within the last couple of years, I just have taken my career into my own hands more. Yeah, I, th I think it's an interesting concept now. Yeah. To to put together because there's all these really talented DJs now. Yeah. But they have no mixtape uh, platform. Right. You know. You know what I mean? Like yeah. people aren't listening to mixes like they used to. I yeah. feel like people want to hear live mixes more than they do want to hear. Yeah, like actual. Tw like Twitch. You yeah, see yeah. them on Twitch now. Yeah. yeah. But people are like really want to hear live mixes more than like I don't know. Like what do you call these mixtapes? What would you call them? Like produced mixtapes a little bit where they have multi tracks. So you have I mean, I guess so. Them. It goes. It's a lot more than just like stepping up to some decks. Like I'm yeah. doing custom edits and like crazy transitions. Yeah, you're doing like, like scratches. It's basically. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of production that goes into. Yeah, the it's like produce yeah, mixtapes. Like yeah. yeah, yeah, like people don't. I don't either. They don't know the concept of this, like the young generation, or they don't care. I don't know what it is right now. My favorite mm -hmm. mixtapes were always the live ones, like the, like the the Spider Tech at the R&B and Ribs, like those type of mixtapes. But that's been favorite. recently. Yeah. But like, mm -hmm. uh, like there's 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 this this art of produce mixtapes mm -hmm. that's yeah. so amazing. It's been a while. Yeah. But I don't think like and I don't know if this new generation cares about that or it doesn't. I feel like it's about. a. It's kind of. I feel like it's kind of coming back to be a little honest. bit, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. that's why I think this Super Seven. I think might be a good opportunity for you to just start bringing some yeah, of these guys. No, nah, you know, like the one I just released has like big, gigantic Floster mm -hmm. Um Long story short, you got it right there. Yeah. John Casey. John Casey. Yeah, yeah. So basically, okay. How how the series has evolved over the years is just kind of like the the DJs or producers I I that I pick for it are usually kind of like 
where I'm at musically at that time. You know, so like if you notice the evolution of it is like all like DJ, DJs, DJs, mm-hmm. and then it's shifted to more of like the artist producer side of things as I've shifted more to that side of things. What caused that shift for you? Um, because that's what I, I remember like after like it was a certain time, it was after you won the Masters of the Mix. Right. Where you became this big festival DJ, which made sense because there was more eyes on you. Right. Right. After Masters of the Mix. Right. I want to talk about Masters of the Mix. Yeah. But let's talk about maybe that shift. That transition. Your, yeah. Yeah. So because ba- it made yeah. sense. I don't want to cut you off. Yeah, yeah. It made a lot of sense because you're like, all right, I have to step this up to a larger kind of audience. Yeah. Because I have a larger audience. Now, Correct. Right? Yeah. yeah. So basically, like after I I won Master of the Mix, like I want a I want a quarter mil. Like yeah. that should change my life. So like right after I won, I got like a bunch of residencies. Like I was out in Vegas, I was touring, doing this and that. But it was just strictly like, you know, bottle service type scenarios, mm-hmm. which is cool, getting bread. But I was getting like you know super micromanaged. You guys know GMs up your ass asking you to do this, do that. Right. And I hit a point where I was just like, I really hate bottle this. service. Like this just thing. like motherfuckers coming up to me and like throwing me off while I'm like in a groove. That formula yeah. of, of bottle service. So, how it's run. Yeah. So, so you wasn't doing bottle service before Masters Dimension? No, I was. But like it was just, I was, you know, like in demand after I won the show. It was just like my bookings just but like also, kind of But also you would think if he like, after he won Masters of Mix mm-hmm. and they and someone booked him, they would hire him to do what he was. Well, he won the show. With, well, just, he was doing the show. We would just be like, yo, we're hiring you to do what you do. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, it's not like you're a resident DJ somewhere and then you're telling him, right. yo, like there's a table. But that, yeah. that was the weird line that I was right in between. Right. So I, I remember, I forget where the gig was, but I was somewhere in this one manager was up my ass. I was like, yo, this is it, bro. I was like, I'm a rap. He's I was like, the- I'm not fucking with this shit no more. He's in that line of like, I'm big enough to like get a headlining, like out of town gig, mm-hmm. but not big enough where a manager can't tell me what yeah. to play. Yeah. Right? So, bas- so basically, like at that point, I was like, I was like, I want to like play festivals. I want to play like real shows where people are just coming to watch me. There's not, you know, bottle service clubs, like the DJ is obviously a major part, but people are, you're hollering at chicks, they're getting bottles. Like there's a lot of other momentum going on in people's energies where at a show, people are just like fixated on what's happening at the show. Right. But like I had I had started producing like super young, like at an MPC, but it was always in the back burner because DJing it's instant gratification. You kill it, you make money immediately. Yeah. Whatever producing is just such a longer game. Well, your your mixtapes were yeah. so heavily produced. I mean, you were getting production right. uh experience through that. I was. Well, That's yeah. what kind of got my chops up early. Yeah. But basically at that point, I was like, I want enough money where I didn't have to take every gig to pay my rent. Mm. So I became way more picky with my like club gigs and just focus on producing. And it probably took me like two years of like putting out, you know, remixes and and like right. records and shit to be taken serious in, in the producer artist world. Because yeah, it kind of started, and it could be wrong, just like, correct me if I'm wrong. It could, it kind of started, was it with dubstep? Because I, I started nah, hearing- trap. Trap. Yeah, trap. I started hearing you play like a lot more trap remixes. Yeah. I think, what where were you with Resident Haze? Was it, or? I was at, I was at Light. I think that Light was after that. But, I definitely played Hayes. I did because I think I you heard did light a few times. I yeah, heard, hide, I, heard, like, I heard you at Hayes. Yeah. and I, you were one of the first DJs playing trap remixes. Yeah, and I was just like, oh shit, he's going this direction. Yeah, yeah. and you would and you were heading in. You were getting amped up, yeah. and I was like, yo, like, oh, I see him going in this direction. Right, that's when you started kind of opening up. Yeah, but then like, I guess around that time, the managers are like, hey, play more hip hop or play this or play that or what were they? Yeah, I mean, 
I don't think that was the issue. It was just more like if I'm in a certain zone and you know they're like, oh, this fourth string NFL dude wants this random, you know, mixtape cut. Yeah. And then you go and play it and then it clears the floor and then they're like, yeah, you're killing it. And then like the dance floor just died. I'm like, oh, I fucking wonder why, buddy. Yeah, yeah. You know, like shit like that just like really ate me up inside. Mm -hmm. I forgot I did a, a night in the light with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Back in 2015, 16. Yeah. When they was doing like, when they started doing hip hop and trap. Yeah. And yeah, and I think I closed it out for you that night. Yeah. I forgot about that shit. Man. Nah. Was he cool or was he, was he feeling Was he a nice guy? He was kind of. Nah, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he was not cool. Man. <laughs> nah, he was I cool. was like, he didn't bring pies. I mean, the saga continues. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that whole transition has been wild and is, is still as wild. You know, just making the jump from like, you know, when you're a DJ and you're playing clubs, it's so much more frequent. You know, you could get chips regularly tour these clubs. Like if you play there a couple of times a month, it's like normal. Mm -hmm. But like as an artist, if you're doing a show, like you can't hit a market more than once or twice a year, you mm -hmm. know, cause you gotta like cycle through all of it. And it's mm -hmm. just like, just the politics and remaining relevant in that world is just very, very hard. Yeah, you know? no, no, I mean, like yeah. I remember hearing you and I was like, man, he's really sounding great. Cause you were mm -hmm. incorporating all this like turntablism with your trap remixes. You were yeah. echoing shit out manually and yeah. like and running acapellas and all that. Yeah. And I was like, yo, like I remember seeing some festival footage and I'm like, man, yeah. I'm really happy for him. Like he's really uh, creating a name for himself. And yeah. like, He's creating like this kind of movement of new sound and new DJing right. that yeah. I thought was really interesting uh, at the time. Like right, you know? but but in that world, all that shit was pretty much overlooked. You know, like really, yeah. I feel like honestly, being a good DJ has like almost hindered my artist career. Wait, wait, mm. explain. Yeah, in, so, what do you mean, like an EDM circuit a little yeah, bit, or like, festival circuit? Because yeah. like, say where wherever my cloud or wherever is as an artist, right? compared to another, you know, massive artist, like 99% of the time, I'm, my performance in DJing is going to be significantly better. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So like, if you're, if you're the headliner, like you don't want to get shown up by your opener. Like even, even in certain instances where I would like musically, like, you know, play a more opener vibe, whatever, just like, I feel like how I would deliver it in rock, like kind of intimidated some like, producer DJs who are just yeah. not as, you know, technically skilled. So I don't know, maybe that's just in my head, but I feel like- I don't like, think it is. I don't think no, it is. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, it, it's true. Like, a, like a, I've, I've been in a headliner spot and if my opener's like doing all of this, even if they're playing opener tracks- Yeah, but they're just going in. And like they're murdering. going in. Yeah. Inside, I'm like, I don't want to get on. I, yeah, I'm like, like, I kind of want to hear you for another 15 minutes. <laughs> I yeah. want to like, hear what you're going to do next. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So but, it's, it's been a weird, weird line. And especially because like when I first started producing, coming to that world, a lot of artist people were hating. They're like, oh, he's like this hip hop club battle DJ. He's just trying to get EDM money, this and that. They didn't like, oh, yeah. they, didn't like, they didn't like that battle energy that you were bringing. Nah, because I came with some murder shit yeah. and they're like, oh, yeah. I just want to make. Shit. And I, yo, I've heard this about the EDM world. There's a lot of ego stroking in politics. Yeah, like you have yeah. to like eat a lot of cock to like yeah. really get. It's a lot more. Yeah, that's a lot more. That's a lot. It's definitely a lot more pussy than like DJ DJ world and coming from hip hop. You know, yeah, like, you really have to like stroke the egos of yeah, like because like, like how I came up and how we all came up, we got issues with someone. We're going right at them. You know, right, we're talking right, that right. talking mm -hmm. shit, talk it out. But like these 
a lot of people in on the other side, if you got an issue and you come at them on some like, yo, what the fuck? They're just like, ah, and like back up. And hey, what is go. your problem? This is not the, this is EDM. This is not hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's American yeah. EDM artists. I mean, this is Shailen over I'd find myself biting my tongue when like some like 21 year olds like trying to like big time me or like, you know, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, why am I being, you know, my God. Not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I gotta, I gotta bite my tongue sometimes. You know, but that's twenty one. It was you back in the day, no? True. I probably was a cocky little fuck back yeah. then. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I think. I think so too. So, um, also when you after you won the Master of the Mitch and you started getting these residencies at um all these venues, did you have the um the resident DJ kind of hating on you? It was like, yo, why is this? Yeah, guy, that was gonna be my question. Why is this guy here? Because the master um, the mix, I don't think. Anyone I mean, yeah, hated but if that, I don't I feel think, like oh, he don't deserve to be. He wasn't doing club. I before. didn't really recognize that if it happened, but I think like because my come up was I like earned my stripes. You know, like, yeah. I had Super Seven, like I won a nationally televised yeah, DJ yeah. competition. It wasn't like I was just like some celebrity DJ who was on like Love Island. You know what I'm saying? Did, like, did you have <laughs> that fear though to be like pigeonholed or just being the VH1? I what? did. That's kind of like because when I made that shift to, from just DJ, DJ to like artist producer, like my manager at the time, they're like, we don't even want in your like one sheet and bio, like don't even mention that shit. I'm like, what? I want a goddamn national TV show for all this bread. And like, you don't want to say it. They're like, yo, it's not, it's not, it's not not the look. It's It's not not cool. Right. Yeah. I'm like, it's pretty fucking cool to me. Like, but, (laughs) but all right. (laughs) But so I like, you know, I listened to them and, you know, played that game for, it's way, almost, way it's, too fucking long. It's almost like <laughs> Theo Vaughn, like the comedian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was he's just like, listening to him on the way out here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, best. he's like this, he's like a respected comedian now, but he was uh, on what, Real World or no? He was on Road Rules. He was Rules. on something, yeah. Road Rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was like originally on Road Rules and he just, it took him years and even still now, he's like fighting yeah, it's to like, not be like the that kid that was on Road Rules. Nah, yeah. because like, yeah. like for me, like I've spent, I've been DJing over 20 years and like my career, I've done all this different shit that I work really hard and fucking long to be dope at and like do these things Yeah. Mm-hmm. to where like, I don't want to be typecast as, Oh, that guy just won a TV show. It's like, nah, bro. Like I've done all this shit and toured with this person and that person and made these mixtapes and like, you know, but that's the, that's the biggest problem that it's just so easy to hate and say he was on that TV show. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's why Right. it's just so easy to say it. Right. Of course. That's why, you know, right. but I'm glad it was like a TV show that wasn't like, wasn't like scripted it was like you know i had to beat fucking vajra chris karns who was a world dmc champion yeah. to get that that belt who's on so dynamics like dynamics tina tina Incredible t boy tina t shout to tina t yeah right fly guy brian daw loxy damn that was, was it uh, i'm just trying to figure was out it, what is was trying to figure stressful? out my hit list like who who's the right? hit list <laughs> No, I'm, I'm just fucking around. I love. Nah, he's being, like, I took this motherfucker out. out. I took this motherfucker <laughs> that out. That one was easy. Who else, who else did I take out? Did you have fun on that TV show at the Masters of Mix? I did, man. You did. It was. I mean, especially because I mean, I was like locked in, razor focused, and like basically from the first the first episode, like I fucking murdered it, and I felt like I was like highly favored to potentially go make it to the finals or yeah, wait. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, actually I got a funny story for y'all that, w- that did make it on TV. So um the first the first episode was just basically like do whatever you want, like flex. Mm-hmm. Right. So everyone's going. People could like watch. They had held us all in a separate room where there was a TV where you You're like watch. watching from the green room. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I knew that Kid Capri was a judge. And I mean I just 
plan some shit. But I remember I came out and I had this James Brown juggle. And I was just like killing it on some James Brown shit. Mm-hmm. I saw Kid Capri just like yeah. mobbing in the back. <laughs> so I finished my set and I just like look up and the judge is like clapping and Kid Capri's like, yo. And he like, cause like the, the stage was here. There was like a mini stage in front of that, steps down a whole dance floor, then the judges thing. Yeah. Kid Capri leaves the judges thing walks up to just give me dap like yo that was crazy mm. but in between the dj booth and the stage there was like a gap like this of like lighting that he didn't see so he went to give me dap and just steps in the fucking hall and busts his ass <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. And, and everyone was dying in the studio and I, and he's like, "Yo, y'all better cut that shit out the show." So they cut it. Yeah, I was oh, like, wow. "Yo, I I'm, I need to hit the I need that footage, bro. That was insane." They cut the whole thing. No, just that, just, just him, him, oh. him running up, and like busting his ass. They oh, cut, but so yo, it went from him walking off to him dapping him. Probably Kid Capri. If you see this, let's clear that. Let's get that on the internet ASAP, <laughs> dog. No, no. That shit's hilarious. <laughs> Jesus Christ! How was Kid Capri? Was he cool? He was great, man. Really? I love Kid. Like, we're super cool still. I've had the worst experiences. Um, we've had. We've heard, we've heard <laughs> other we talked about that already. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, like, obviously, my experience was through that, you know? So yeah. it's like, obviously, he's not going to be a dick. And, like, I killed it and I no, ended no. up winning. So, like, he had respect for me. Yeah, yeah. Like, after we won, or after I won, um, there was, like, this whole press tour and, like, set up like i went to new york like me and him did the breakfast club and shit like mm-hmm. we're on all these like talk shows doing like promo shit. together so we bonded over so that he was like big bro <laughs> essentially Man. so after that routine you did and kicker p was like yo this shit was dope was you confident that you was gonna win the series no nah, i didn't know that? if i was gonna win but i was just like there was 20 djs and like epi- eliminations every day i was like i'm good till at least episode six after this like <laughs> based off like who was in it already like i knew i had I had enough to like make it far, Damn, but I definitely it. didn't know I'd win. I love the confidence. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, you got to be, bro. Like, if you're a com, com, uh, competing, like, if you don't believe you could win, like, you're not gonna fucking win. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying? That's a long ass list that he took down. Actually, right. you want me to read all the names of people <laughs> nah, he took down? That's nah. crazy. Because there were some that we you got the whole left. list. Yeah, I got oh, the shit. whole list. Wait, Lee, I didn't even know Lisa Pittman. I forgot. Shout to Lisa Pittman. Oh shit, DJ XL's in there. Yeah, DJ XL. You took out XL. XL wasn't there. Yeah, it was, was Excel right there. Oh, ID was there. Excel was not on Master of the Mix, was he? No. DJPN. Excel is nice. He would have done well. DJPN, uh, Obscene. I remember ID got fucked. That was the homie. Yeah, Loxy's. I'm, I'm not reading all these. This is a lot. No, I'm just saying because I saw Obscene and. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, Obscene was in Excel it. Excel and stuff like that. Were like, oh, it's like the list for like the movie Kill Bill. Like, yeah. The one that, <laughs> and then his name's on the <laughs> top. <laughs> the woman Thurman took out. After each show, he like scratch out the name. <laughs> it's crazy how they have it on, on Wikipedia. It's like eliminated, eliminated. And he's just at the top. It's like, yeah, he took everybody yeah. out. And I'm glad that they never did another season, so. Still the chance, baby. Like one and done. <laughs> nah, nah it was three, three seasons, yeah. but it was on BET for two seasons. And I was, wa- I remember watching, and be like, "Oh shit!" I was like, "I could do some work on this." And then it went to VH1. I was like, "Oh, it's a little more legit." And they're like, "Grand prize, a quarter mil." I was like, "Yo, Damn. I'm going for that shit." Damn so, one of the seasons wasn't Amber Rose a ho- uh, judge? Yeah, really? w- yeah. That's crazy. That doesn't even make no sense. I know. Yeah, I mean. It's I, TV. They just want that that TNA a, up there. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> sex sells. I, I couldn't even like. I'll be honest with you. I couldn't even watch that shit. I just got so much anxiety. Oh, Mel Star was <laughs> in season was two. 
He was in season was two. Was he? Yeah, season two. Mm. And um, Revolution. Rich Medina was in season one. DJ Scratch won the first one. And then Rich D- Medina? Really? DJP yeah. was on season two, and he won. Wow. Yeah, it's that's a, yeah, man. I forgot about shit. that. <laughs> well, kudos for that, man. So yeah. you, you look back, and you you you. that's like a great moment for you. In your it life. is. Like, I'm... I, like I don't really think about it too much, but then sometimes people will be like asking me about like my life and what I've done, and I say that, and even when I say it, I'm just like, it's fucking weird. But I felt like you had a good following from that. Show, no, right? it definitely yeah. catapulted my shit. Like it yeah. definitely like took my career to another level. Because I remember like coming to see you at Hayes, and then you had like literally groups of people that just watched the show, mm-hmm. and they just came to see you. Yeah, and I was like, yo, that's dope. Yeah, it was tight, man. Yeah, yeah. It was, was cool. happy. For it, cha- you, it changed my life. He was the original Paulie D. Yeah. Right? <laughs> wait, wait, Paulie. Wait. <laughs> no, saying, that because he was on MTV, whatever. But Paulie nah. D came before him, no? Yeah. Was that before? Yeah. yeah. Paulie D came before uh, him. He's actually, he did not win. If it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for Paulie D. If it wasn't for Paulie D. Thank you, Paulie, for paving <laughs> the way for me. There, bro. there would be no JCO. Yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> paved the way for reality star. That's wow. how I, I should have introduced him. I should have like, reality star DJ. Exactly. That. Does that bother you or no? No. At this point, I don't give a fuck. You don't give a fuck. Yeah. He's Bro, like, I, it's it's tight. he's like, look at my resume. That's just I mean, I bought a crib off that shit. Like, yeah, I was gonna say after that prize money probably hit his account, it was probably different. He's like, man, y'all can talk all the shit you want. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't care. <laughs> Reality star DJ JCO. Yeah, you got that. <laughs> that must have been fun though. That whole thing. Nah, it was crazy. And I was like, I remember being so focused, like going into the last few episodes. Once I got down to like all like the dopest people, I was yeah. waking up at like five a.m. jogging. I remember because it was, yeah. oh, shit. I, was, ready. I, was <laughs> I was on some rocky shit, bro. I was like, because I was Rising like, up. I was like, this could change my life. <laughs> I, yo, I remember before the uh, the finale. I went to the the Russian Turkish baths in Miami. Y'all yeah, ever yeah. been there? Yeah, yeah. So they got all the saunas in different rooms, and they had this like the gym room with all like the good energy stones. I remember I went in there and like meditated for like thirty minutes. I was like, all right, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get this. I went out and got that dub, baby. Yo, tight. so like as you started doing more and more festivals. And you were doing, and you're continuing to do more festivals, or how, how is it going right now? Like, so, where's your focus right now? Well, right now I'm kind of in the midst of a of a big rebrand. Um, mm-hmm. So basically, once the pandemic hit, obviously everything stopped. Yeah. And then um, my whole approach to me as an artist in music has shifted since then. Because right before that, I was making like just straight festival bangers, like heavy dubstep, just like really aggressive, right? You know, festival music. Which at the time was cool and we get great reactions and that, but you, I was remember you, yeah you were getting those heavy like mosh pit yeah like, ravers like, but I remember sitting like in that. the pandemic and like listening to my Spotify I was like I don't I don't fuck with none of these joints anymore like, really I, I mean like I still like them but like certain records I'm just like I would do not want to play this record ever again in my life even if it has millions of streams I'm like fuck this because he's like yo he's a tall dude right yo what are you six three six three yeah. mm-hmm. and he's like you know he's he's a big dude and you, when you DJ you get amped up yeah so when he when he when he gets amped up and he's like in the booth and he's wilding out he it reminds me of like Waka Flocka energy because mm-hmm. you know how like Waka Flocka records like they they really work well in like even a, a trap EDM right setting. yeah because they're just so aggressive yeah. you know what I'm I got a regular yeah. him yeah. It actually, but it was uh, the Chargers used it as their like team intro mm. all uh, like last season. Yeah. It was tight. I got a bunch of free tickets and shit. It was tight. Yeah, because when 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 I saw the videos of you just wilding, I was like, yeah. yo, this is really like he looks like he's at home. 
Like, yeah. this is a shit. No, I love it. And, like, when I do, like, a festival set now, like, I still play aggressive, but my whole shit now is just, like, way more melodic and just, like, more, like, you know, mature with my selection instead of just, like, banger for banger. Oh, which is basically brought, you know, kind of brings me to where I'm at now with rolling out my, my debut, like, full album, which is I'm putting out independently on Super 7 Records, um, paying for it all myself just to, like, control how it comes out because like i've i've since i've been producing i put out records on like all these top labels and i've realized after years it's like unless you're like a priority artist like it's cool it looks good on a resume but like outside of a release they'll do like a little bit of promo for it and then it's like all right cool what's next how do wait so in your experience that's what you kind of went through right or, or yeah really i mean like i've released on almost every like dope electronic label I've had a release on like, <clears throat> certain things crack, certain things don't. But I just realized that unless you're like the main dude there, they're not going to invest too much time and promo in it. Yeah. So, I was doing, I was doing research on you yeah. and I saw that you had put out records on Atlantic, Demac, Demac yeah. records, ultra records, yeah. fool's gold records. Yeah. Mad decent. That's a, yeah. Mad decent. That's Thrive fucking deadbeats. Mm -hmm. Like so, so many, but basically cause I made, this whole album basically started in the pandemic, right? So I was like, A, during the pandemic as a producer, I was like, this is the perfect time to like anything as a producer that I was kind of weak or not as, you know, fluent at. I was like, I'm going to learn that shit. So like, instead of like, you know, when I was coming up, I would, you know, get help on records. I start ideas and then have the homie who's like the ill engineer or sound designer come in and kind of bring my ideas to life. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm like... I'm like, I reached a point, I was like, yo, fuck this shit. Like, I want to figure out how to just, like, A to B, get these records to where they should be. Mm -hmm. And at that time, during the pandemic, I'm like, there wasn't a crowd. There wasn't a festival to please. So I was like, I'm just going to, like, get up my chops producer-wise and just make music that kind of speaks to me. And the result of that was, like, a gang of songs. I'm doing a nine-song album. The album's called Twilight Nine, where it's just all just music that just came out of me, you know? Like, yeah, way more melodic, like not as aggressive like there's still like hints of you know heavy bass stuff in there but it's instead of being the overtone it's the undertone it's I'm hearing like, a lot more vocals when i was listening yeah, to some of it yeah like my whole shit is like the ravey shit i was making it's like it's good in the moment right you want to hear that live you want to hear it on the show but like you don't really want to hear it outside of that and now i'm like i'm trying to make records that like people want to listen to for the rest of their lives you know shit that really resonates with someone outside of a club you know so that's kind of like this album is almost like more of a listening album than like a a rah rah like show album. Well, you were you were on that turn up shit, right? It was, yeah, it was like on on a turn up, super uh, turn up shit, super turn up. And now you you're just this going shit's up. just more like you're just getting over yeah. now. You're like, it's just melodic, like, like chill at home, like chill at home, listening to some good music. Yeah, it's just melodic and tasteful, but it'll still go off like. When I do like a true artist show where it's like a real show show, I'll do yeah. more of the album stuff. But like, mm -hmm. you know, these gigs are it's like more clubby, half like soft ticket artists, half like just DJ gigs. Like I'm mm -hmm. obviously playing the hits and going hard and making my own versions of that stuff. But like I just wanted to get out this album as like one, you know, piece of work and like have full control creatively of the rollout and all that and just, you know, put my own money up and just like fuck it. Like Get it out. Yeah, so know? like in the festival circuit, right? Yeah. We, we had a track here, and he was kind of explaining to us that he has to rebrand every few years or something, mm -hmm. like kind of get ahead and be like, uh, like you know, I have to find uh, this kind of collaboration or like try this project or right. this project. And for where you are right now, when you say like I got to rebrand, 
does your like a couple of things come into mind that I think have to come into place? Yeah, your following has to be cool with the rebrand, right? Right, mm-hmm. and then the bookers have to kind of they're they're probably the ones that that's are, a, they're the ones that are taken aback a little bit because yeah. they probably saw you as one thing. Oh, he's, right. he's the turn up guy. Right. And now they got to be sold like this new JCO. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, That's like, kind of been my issue my whole career because I came up as this club DJ who played every style. And once yeah. I started producing, I kind of produced all these different styles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, my man. Well, you, you've been like kind of typecast as, as different things as you moved on. Yeah. My like whole a, career. A tour DJ. Yeah. Mixtape DJ. Club DJ and then festival DJ, right? And then like it just keeps all oh, reality, reality, <laughs> reality TV DJ somewhere in there, right. and then a battle DJ. Battle, so like yeah. you're like kind of typecasted as all these different yeah. things, right? It, yeah. So it's like it's hard to pin down what I am because I'm so many fucking things. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. But that's it's kind of a gift and a curse, you know. Yeah. But I think currently, like, like I'm just getting this album out as one thing, controlling it. Like I really. I'm proud of it, you know, musically. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, it's I put out four singles so far out of um, the nine records on it, and things are doing well. It's well received. Um, so, really stoked on that. But I also have multiple other side projects that are more on that that hype shit, club shit, and some more musical stuff as well. I mean, I got 1,000 volts, which is me and Redman's electronic meets hip hop group. We're starting to record again for that right now, probably. When did that start? When How did you hook up with Redman? That story is actually pretty crazy. So uh, the first record we ever did together was Turn Me Up Some, mm-hmm. where I had made the I'd made the record and like found acapella and just sampled Red, right? Yeah. What year is this now? Just so we paint the picture. I want to say 07, 08. 07, 08. Okay. I seen no, maybe it was after that. Was this before I'm um, later, right? Was this before Turn Down for what? Nah, it was after. It was after. So for like sure. The, like 14? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Around yeah, that's the, that sounds yeah. right. Because after Master of the Mix, yeah, yeah. I was like diving into production. But so I made this kind of like, you know, twerk hype record. Mm-hmm. Definitely inspired by Snake shit, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what was popping right there. Right, right. And I sampled Redman on it. I was about to drop it just like SoundCloud, free release, free edit, just like you know, everyone was doing. Then I got booked for this festival in Croatia um, that Red and Meth were headlining. And I was like, you know what? Like, let me just hold this, see see if I can meet him. Like, I don't even know what the fuck I'm going to say to him type shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, so we're in Croatia. There's this artist-only, like, pool party on the beach and on an island in Croatia. Fucking beautiful. So I walk down. It's super chill because there's only, like, 30 artists. So it's like everyone's kind of, like, chopping it up and, like, accessible. I see Redman in a cabana, literally doing like sit ups and smoking a blunt. He's liking fucking eyes. Like how stroke, smoke, smoke, stroke. stroke. Like, so I see him and I'm just like, yo, fuck it. I'm gonna just roll on him. And I'm just like, yo, what's up, man? I'm JCO. I'm from, you know, America. Mm-hmm. I'm a DJ on this shit. I'm like, yo, I sampled you on this record. Can I play it for you? He's like, hell yeah, fuck it. And so he's just smoking up an L. I hold up the iPhone. He's just rocking. He's like, that shit's bumping. And I was like, yo, would you be down to like maybe redo the vocals and make it official he was just like hell yeah gave me his math right there wow and then um we get back to the states so i hit him i'm like yo what's good let's let's get this done nothing yeah hit him a few more times nothing months go by and i'm like fuck it's not gonna happen and i was like thinking i was like i feel like he's just like doesn't really remember or he's just like being lazy i was like i'm gonna send him a voice note of the record as like a last ditch effort to like gain his interest so i did that and then he hit me back in five minutes. He's like, we're about to do it tonight. 
Mm. Fucking knocked it out, and he was cool as fuck. He's like, you don't got to give me no bread. Just give me publishing. And that's actually, I launched Super 7 Records off that mm. record with Red. I invested oh, in like- wow. so That was your first independent. Yeah, so I put like 10 grand behind that record. I did like radio promo, street team shit. Okay, okay. Can you explain to me where the 10 grand goes when you're, when you're putting it into a record? For that record, I forget the amount, but I invested in um, radio promo to get spins through the homie buys, rest mm. in peace. Mm. Um, and then I did a big street team campaign where I had, uh, I targeted like Lollapalooza, Hard Summer, like a bunch of big festivals around the country and had street teams with, you know, the big poster boards Yeah, where they're going up to light poles, fucking stapling the shit up just to like. Well, who do you go for that? Who do you go for a street team? Um, for that, it was actually through my, my homie, uh, Eric Gennady, Eric, the curator, um. He's been super dialed in with street team stuff. and um, So he's like, got that army all set up. So basically, yeah, because he used to tour and do shit with like 2K Sports and like Ice Cube and like various brands throughout cities who would hire these teams of dudes mm -hmm. who would just pull up with posters and just mob a city and then just crush it. I remember that. Yeah, so, yeah. I, so I hit him <laughs> and he was like, he was just like, yo, I got this dude in this city, this dude in that city, he wants this much. I was like, fuck it, let's try it. And it's all in. It's like, like, Give me an amount that you spent on that. I feel like... 4K, 3K? Nah. Not I even. feel like each city was like, I'd send them the posters and like 800 bucks and they just mob. You know, it wasn't that crazy. Mm, no, you know, it was just some real under the table, just grimy, like right, like graffiti style shit. You know, just yeah, people yeah, just yeah. pull up like, bop, 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 you know, bounce. Um, so you put into that and in the radio, how much was that? To, like, just big I want to say... I wish I really remembered, but it was like four or five grand. Four or five grand. And yeah. they, they tried to get you spins on all the, the big kind of major cities. Yeah, kind of like wherever they could, mix shows, this and that. Like, it definitely got some spins. Was it worth it? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to quantify it, especially for a record that doesn't really blow up, you know? So it's like, mm -hmm. it did well. But but the long and short of it is I did all these things and Red hit me. He's like, yo, people are hitting me. Like, they said, you know, the marketing's crazy for this record. Like nice. they fuck with it. Yeah. And he was like, yo, he's like, I fuck with your like your business and how you how you work. He's like, send me some more beats. So I was like, wow. oh shit. So then I sent him like a pack of like, I forget, ten or fifteen beats. And he hits me back. He's like, yo, these are crazy. I'm gonna write to all of these. And I'm just Damn. Like, yeah. I'm just like, what? You know? But at the same time, I'm like, you know, a lot of people say shit like, is he actually gonna do it? But over the course of the next two years, he would just sporadically send me random ass ideas over these beats. And at first it was just like not really in the pocket. And then we hit the groove. I forget which record it was, but I was like, yo, this is the vibe. I was like, if we like focus and knock out records like this, mm -hmm. come up with a group name, like we could really do something here. And then he was like, fuck it. I'm in. Which re record was that? That you that he specifically hit the, hit the, um, hit the spot. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, pause. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm trying to, <laughs> it might, I, it's either. Tell me, tell me, tell me which one it was that. We're, which, we're, we're trying. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the names. The first couple of records, one was called Lights Out. Let's go. And then the other one was featuring Trey of the Truth. I think it's called I'm On. Ask me what I'm doing. Yeah. 
say I'm chillin'. Yeah. All about my biz. Yeah. That perp that I'm feeling. Yeah. I'm gone. Brick yeah. City up in here, man. Yeah. I'm gone. So two years. So you gotta have the patience, man. Two years. Yeah. A long time. Fuck. But then we, you know, started started grinding, getting some motion going, and then we we hadn't really done shows yet, and then we put out a EP on Deadbeats, mm-hmm. which is uh, Zed's Dead's label, and um, we got had a collab with Zed's Dead that like went off. You know, they put a bunch of bread into marketing that. We shot yeah, a yeah. full video, this and that, mm-hmm. and then all these things there's building up over the years, and then we finally got our looks, and like we're we had like a couple festivals. We did like Shambhala, which is this crazy festival in the woods in Canada. That's like some crazy fucking whoop magic shit but it's like some shit and then il sonique which is in montreal so we were just building up and like building momentum to like really start touring and killing it and then yeah. the pandemic hit wow so like basically everything has just been a full rebuild since then in terms of my career his you know his shit um he's been you know dealing with some family shit too so mm. you know like yeah. But we talk pretty frequently, and um, he's got a batch of shit that he's going to be writing too. So definitely, so you thousand gotta, volts. Will so you be got a, so you got oh you got a second wave coming through with a second project with oh yeah we're working on an album right now wow. that uh, I'm hopefully get at least one or two records out by the end of this year, but like full project next year for sure. Okay, knowing yeah. how different everything is now compared to 2014, 15, yeah. what is the marketing approach that you see that's most successful for you great question. especially when you're hitting two different yeah. completely like two different markets right yeah uh, how are you going to approach this well I and mean, what is the approach for you because like right now you're doing something that is a little foreign to me like you're approaching things as an artist right not as a dj right i mean it's you know the you are a dj right but you're really looking at this and you're approaching everything like an artist right. you know so I'm I'm kind of curious to see how you what are the tools now and the resources now for like you know a DJ artist in your position. You know? I mean the the real thing that has kind of shifted gears for me is like you know coming up how I would brand myself and put myself in the world like I came up in hip hop and mm-hmm. then I was like trap and like battling so it just you know this kind of tough guy moniker you know looking hard type shit and yeah. in photos. And I realized, like, that's not really relatable. That doesn't make people be like, oh, I want to know more about that guy, you know? (laughs) You know, they might fuck with you live or whatever. So my whole kind of thing is just, like, showing me, like, all the different things I do that make me unique, that it's more relatable. It's, like, to really attach, you know, and gain a fan base and crowd to make people want to know your next move is, like, they got to relate to you. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, I'm showing the process of me making music. I'm showing... Me and my brother, you know, two brothers building a pizza shop out of the pandemic, you know, and I'm doing um, a ton of stuff in the golf space because I love golf, right? It's like a lifestyle. Yeah, and it's like, it's just like being like, I'm an artist, but becoming more of like a lifestyle brand at the same time, right? you know, just showing people like, I don't just do this. Like, I do all these things that people could relate to, that people could attach themselves to and just want to follow the story of me instead of just like, you know oh, here's some new music from this artist that I like, you know, like mm-hmm. it uh, make it all tie into each other's like, like the name of my album is Twilight Nine, which is a, a golf term for like when you play nine holes, like at the end of the day, you know, just like things like that tying the world together. Like I'm throwing a, a tournament on the album release day, 
Twilight Nine, Twilight Nine Invitational. You know, oh, just like oh, that's sick. Half music industry people, half golf industry people. You so know? you're you're literally these, tying your sport yeah. and and then the music yeah. Together. And the day before that, I'm doing an album listening party at Gorilla Pies. You I, know, just like yeah. bring it all together, bro. Like I like that. Like, <laughs> like no, I like you that. like yeah. the, you like dope, the Gorilla man. Pies. No, no, <laughs> I like no, I like the way he's um marketing himself. Yeah. How he's doing it. It's fucking yeah. dope. Yes, yeah, he's combining what he does. In his personal life, with with he's doing with music, mm-hmm. putting it all together, it's like yeah. just a clash of all. Exactly, yeah. It's just like be like for anyone, it's just like being more relatable is more warming. People, you know, if you're like standoffish, cool guy shit, like that doesn't really fly as much anymore. No. You know, where back in the day you could get away with murder like that, but now people like with social media, like everything is exposed. You know, so are you ex- exposing yourself as being like a cocky dickhead or like? A fun guy who likes to do fun shit, you know. Yeah. It's like who who would you rather hang out with, you know? Yeah, I guess so. I would uh, rather hang out with the golf uh, gorilla pies guy. Yeah, those guys. <laughs> hey, those guys are right <laughs> cool. <laughs> I was gonna ask you, and if you don't have a right number or anything in the ballpark, how much does it take, or how much money does it take to put out an album independently the way you are? I mean, it really just depends on how hard you want to go. You know, it's really. I could have put this shit out. And basically spent nothing, but like the way it works now is like you got to pay to play just to get eyeballs on your shit. I, can we break that down? I'm yeah. just, that's what I'm kind of yeah. curious yeah, about. Cause I, cause yeah, because we have a lot of DJ friends and a lot of producers that listen to us and up and coming yeah. artists that just they they kind of fall into the arms of the label because they don't have the bread or they don't have the resources, which is incredible. Right. But, but you kind of like, I don't know, you kind of were there and you're like, okay. Yeah. This is what I need. Because I realize, like, even if you're at these cool labels, they still might not have the better resources for you, you know, besides some surface level shit. But basically for this album, like, I'm investing in in PR, Mm -hmm. you know. So you're hiring a PR company. Yeah, just Which, my one my one homie who's a beast at PR. And then a, a PR company usually just takes like a monthly retainer, right? Right. And they, they what they do is they plant mentions of whatever projects well, or whatever you're well, doing. Well, yeah, right? they reach out to different media outlets and news sources and just try and sell the story. And like, depending on what it is, like they may or may not secure it, you know? So it's kind of a gamble. Cause you it could, is a gamble. Because yeah. you could pay for PR and like they get you nothing yeah. <laughs> and you're kind of fucked. Yeah. But, um, you know, he's got me a couple like, dope key pieces already and we're working on some stuff for the rollout but it's also like i'm paying for pr but also it's like i'm not just being like i paid for pr i'm chilling that's why i reached out to you guys and like everyone i know who's doing something dope Mm -hmm. i could spread the message like talk to everyone do everything i can to like spread the word and create awareness for the shit i'm doing you yeah, know because yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. for years i was relying on managers and agents and be like i could just do my shit and they're gonna make my shit pop off but now i'm just like fuck that like from bookings to marketing to art direction, like I'm hands-on as fuck with every single part of it. Was there a turning point that where you realized you had to be more hands-on? Yeah, I mean, it's basically throughout the pandemic, like, you know, all the shows kind of stopped and the manager I was with at the time was just at a certain angle and how he would, you know, come at me and treat me and just kind of try and push me in certain directions would like motivate, but also demotivate at the same time. Right. And I was just like, if I really just think about what I need to do, like I'm going to execute it and care about it way more than, you know, almost anyone else. Yeah. It's hard like with a manager because you know, they're, they're always thinking about selling. Right. Right. And they're always trying to sell, sell, sell. Yeah. But a lot of them don't want to get caught up in development because development takes time it's and you can't too much sell. work. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they really just, they almost kind of like, 
stop you from developing anything. Yeah, they'll like downplay that journey. Yeah. Just to, you know, get you to a point where you're profiting or like being a hot boy or whatever. Or like, but, hey, like, hey, j- just do this. This is a good look. And you're like, well, this is not really a good look. And yeah. Like, yeah and then you're just kind of like, well, I, look, let me just finish this project. And, yeah. we'll go, and like, bro, like, this is a good look. And if you don't do, they put this pressure on yeah. you, like yeah. your career is going to go down, down, down. And by the time this project or this thing that you're developing is done, it's not going to be able to save yeah. anything. It's no going to be gonna too late. Wild. Yeah. I mean, I've had so right? many different ups and downs from the manager and agent side. Yeah. Of, you know, thinking I'm with this guy or that guy or this agency and I'm that's going to blow me up or that's going to, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just never really the case. It's all about what you're bringing to the table. You yeah. Know? Like if you're grinding on your shit and you're proving yourself to be someone that should be put on, like it's going to translate more than to just thinking like this manager knows this guy and they're going to make it happen. Like, yeah, that stuff will happen. But to like really have that happen and be able to keep moving up and staying busy, it's like mm-hmm. it's hard, but. I'm realizing the more I put my foot on the gas and just reach out and like, you know, work on and talk to people I have relationships with, it just has so much more weight than like some guy who's not me reaching out that it's just like, there's a level of disconnection to where it's just like more business than like genuine, you know? Yeah. 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 Did you feel like you were getting disconnected or there was information getting lost between the managers? Oh yeah, Yeah. for sure. And then now you're like, Oh, I have all the information and all the connections now. Yeah. No, I have a new manager now Yeah, and uh, he's great. You know, we're, we're grinding on shit together. It's like a real team effort and like, he's, you know, helping out everywhere that needs help without like creating some sort of weird narrative or pressure. Yeah. So it's like a good, you know, you know, rebrand startup experience and he's got plenty of connects and we're, you know, obviously working towards all the shit, but that's why I'm trying to get this album out, get all this new music going. So like the, the revamped, you know, JCO, like 9.0, I guess at this point, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, that's great. you know, I just, I'm just a lot more comfortable with where I'm at now. Like everything feels genuine. I'm not like chasing a trend. Everything is just coming out naturally. And it's like, it's just really me, you know, it's like, I'm not, making this song to try and please this person, you know, I'm not, you know, the pizza shit is my brother. It's my family, the golf shit. I love it. You know? So it's yeah, like yeah. pushing all the shit out and promoting it is just like, it's not forced. It's not like forcing content. To well, it's like, all interest that you care about. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's all, it's all shit. I love. It sounds yeah. like he became the pizza that he's pushing now. It becomes like <laughs> different ingredients that he wants to rather put than, Oh, cheese pizza's popping. Let's put the cheese pizza out. It's like, no, let me give you my own ingredients and how we should do it and blah, blah, blah. blah. I like that. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I feel like the, the him 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 branding the pizza and, and, and the product, it changed from being JCO as a product more so. Let's approach it like a dish and let's, let's put yeah. it in a different well, way. It's, yeah. it's tough when you're like getting typecasted as one thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. And then you're like, well, do I continue to be this uh, this one thing? Yeah. and have it become a character or do I just right. be myself? And I think right. were you in like a weird place during the pandemic? Oh, so yeah. weird. I was yeah. freaking out. What was, like, the, what was the things that freaked you out? I'm just curious. I mean, it was just like as a producer, cause at that point I like pretty much didn't do clubs at all anymore. I was right. just doing like straight right. artist shows. But you also saying that you were listening to your, your body of work and you're like, I don't like any of this shit. Like, no, it's not like I didn't like it. It's just not what resonated with me as right, much. Right, right. Oh, you don't want to yeah. play it. And it was just yeah. like, how to like there was this whole time where it's like everyone's stagnant but is everyone stagnant like should i be working on this should i be working on that so just like the whole like thing in my psyche of like how do i 
keep shit moving, remain relevant. And, yeah, because everyone's acting and like step my game up. You everyone's know? acting like, yo, I'm out here making money while y'all are like in a pandemic doing nothing, and you're just like, wait, right. I'm, I'm doing nothing. You're like, I'm yeah. supposed to be doing something. <laughs> and it was kind of, I'm assuming you probably had like maybe four to five shows a month, and then just to hit the breaks, and then there's nothing. Yeah, I mean that part was obviously tough, but it was just. You know, because at that time I had like switched managers, like the the agent I was with at that agency, like that agent got let go, and then they're trying to pass me around to like whatever lower agent, and I'm just like, I've been with. Oh wow! It's just like so. I was just like, fuck it, like no agent, you know, yeah, like, yeah. just hustle it myself instead of being passed around like someone with you know less clout that doesn't give a fuck about me. It's like I'm better off calling you know, all these venues that I've played over the years myself. Cause like they know me and know what I do. That's an interesting topic because like, you know, uh, DJs go through phases where they're dope and they're hot yeah. and they kind of come down yeah. and then they're hot again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, no one ever talks about like that turning point when you're like, Oh shit, like I'm kind of falling off or like you're starting to see the red flags. Yeah. The like, Oh shit. Like I, I don't have, the name or the demand yeah. like I want. But it was all, it was like, it was just, you know, the pandemic was like a forced fall off. Yeah. Like pre pandemic, I just got off a fucking huge bus tour with snails, like 40 cities across the country. Like literally probably the dopest tour I've ever done. So I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, everything's great. Trust us and then over the couple of years of the pandemic, I'm like, wait, like how do I maintain that? You know, it's just like, everything just changed so fast yeah. and all at once. Right. Yeah. It was crazy. Wow. So then when you were helping your brother and you guys were doing the pizza, it was like kind of a good distraction a little bit or no, nah, it was, it was perfect. Cause at that time there still was no shows. You right. Know? So it was like help him out with the pizza shit. Mm-hmm. You know, work out in my living room, ride my bike around the thing, go golf, and then make beats. You know, like, it was pretty, it was kind of nice because it kept me busy. So I wasn't, like, not doing shit. Like, my day was, like, work out, make music, yeah, work on yeah. the restaurant. Was there know? any music that you were trying to, like, expose yourself to that you just started, like, kind of, like, creating a new sound for yourself? or like I wouldn't really, I mean, you know, like, we're DJs. We're, like, basically librarians of music. So they're, right. we're always taking in everything that comes out. Mm-hmm. But, like... With all this new music, it really just was me sitting down, starting with like some keys or a bass line, mm-hmm. and just like catching a, a rhythm or a vibe and just building off it, you know. And then yeah, like yeah. get it to a point where I'm like, damn, like maybe a vocal would be good on this. And it's some vocalists, and I work on like writing vocals and helping like execute like how it's performed and this and that on certain records. And it's just like it's a really fun and rewarding creative experience to do it like that. Mm-hmm. So it's just been like. It just feels, you know, just feels good when you make a record like that and then it comes out and you, I just feel really proud of like that music versus like just making like hectic dubstep for kids to, you know, take acid to, you know, (laughs) it's cool. Like, cause that shit, when you play those shows and festivals, the energy is unmatched. Right. But it's just like, in terms of just like being a true, like creative and like a real artist with artistry, it's like, it takes a lot of skill to make that music like sound design wise, but just Mm -hmm. like musically, it's just like, I need a rhythm, you know, I need some melody to like, for me to feel it. Right. It's just like pure energy, right? That's all. It's just like energy. energy. Yeah. 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 That's, it's just funny to me. Like when, when you're shifting through and you're trying to figure out sounds and then like your following grows up. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then like the scene grows up, it moves from like, you know, Moombaton Right. Like Torque Moombaton and then it goes to like Tech House and yeah. and all of this shit and like all this Euro trance is coming back from like yeah. the nineties and shit like that. How do you like just like not get caught up in the moving trends and just kind of follow what you want to do? I mean, that's 
that's just kind of where I'm at right now because I just feel like the shit I'm making is dope and like it'll find the right people, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. like through marketing and whatever. And like, especially with like how I DJ and like how all of us DJ, like we could make any record work in, with anything, you know what I'm saying? Like we could figure out a way to fit it in, you know? So just like having that flexibility with how you present it will make it more acceptable for A, Y, and Z, you know, type of audience yeah yeah mm-hmm. is the festival like scene completely different post-pandemic than pre-pandemic like how has it changed or is it the same i mean it's pretty much the same it is the same yeah, yeah. It's the same it's you know it's the same you know agents booking the same big artists you know it's i like, feel like the crowd just is, is just growing with the fucking I, years of the yeah i was wondering like is there more room for like new dj producers to come up i feel like there's less room now like everyone I mean, wants to go to the staple names and yeah. it's not like this like underground scene. It's weird. Kind of bubbling, it's like right? it's like the su- what from my perspective what it feels like is like it's the super, you know, A-list guys. Yeah. And then there's the, you know, the kind of like the staple like legends like names that have been around forever that aren't super popping but like everyone knows their name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like the majority of people under that are like not getting booked as much where they're trying to book like this random 16 year old kid from Norway who's like popping on TikTok type shit. So it's like the OGs, the A-list, and then like the bottom rungs feel like it's just like kind of a free for all of like clout uh, ticket selling. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. it's definitely, you know, feels less, you know, art and skill based than, you know, just clout know, who's going to sell tickets. Like, clout and fame. At right? the end of the day, like all these big festivals, it's big fucking business. You know, yeah, they're yeah, trying yeah. to move tickets. Mm-hmm. So like I get it, but you know. It's also like yeah. I feel like a, a lot more with EDM, like it, it's easier to come up with like being under a bigger DJ, right? Mm-hmm. So like if I'm coming up like under Diplo, I'm helping him with production, I'm maybe ghost producing ghost, certain yeah. tracks. Right. And then I slowly get kind of uh yeah, I mean, like, fed into the scene and stuff. Yeah, like if that. like someone like Diplo is like I'm putting you on, you're gonna be on. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of times, like the people making those type of tracks, like they try to keep them tucked because they don't want to, like, you they know. don't want them move. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it happens in both ways. You've you know? never been approached to do any ghost production or anything? Or? I have. You have? Yeah. And have you done it, though? Or no? Uh, kind of. Or oh, you can't kind say. <laughs> I'm going to be his lawyer. What, what, what is the understanding? Allegedly. I feel like ghost production, I mean, I know it's in hip hop, right? Yeah. I think uh, it's in every form of music. Ghost writing, ghost writing is in hip hop. No, but this ghost production, like Scott yeah. Storch was ghost production. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah for, right. Well, I don't even know if it's ghost production te- technically. I mean, I mean, I, th- like, I think that ghost production is like way too broad of a term. Okay. Like that people kind of need to differentiate. All right, let's break it down. They, like, they, get, it down. they get some more production credit. They don't get the full production. Right, right, right. Right. Because to me, like ghost production is like, this guy made this track. I just bought the track. I'm putting it out, mm-hmm. you know. But most artists and records in every... And they get no publishing. They get nothing. They got a fee. Potentially. I mean, potentially. That to- all could be worked out. Okay, okay. But like most, you know, producers and artists from every genre, you know, like there's a, you know, a main producer who starts the idea, but there's other people who come in. There's engineers, there's singers, there's writers. There's all these people to contribute to records being made right. on a grand scale. Yeah. But I feel like in electronics specifically, like mm-hmm. the ghost producer term is like thrown around a lot. Yeah, because you know? it's, it's weird. I saw this video breaking down that song, The Middle. Uh-huh. That's Zed, right? Yeah. It went through so many writers and producers. It was insane. It was almost like a Hollywood movie that just got like, right. yeah. like oversaturated with like everyone's, like, there's too, so many right. chefs in the kitchen. Kind of like a Beyonce album. 
Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But but like that one song had like I don't know like eight ten producers, different writers, right. and it went through so many stages. I was just like, this is insane. This is right. that's not normal though, right? Or you know, uh, yeah. for like big pop, it is any type of pop EDM yeah, shit. Yeah. I would say it is. Oh wow! But like my shit's like with the lane I'm in is more just like artist singer, right? You know, like me. You know, over the years, like I used to get way more help on like the crazy sound design, like wild EDM sounds, because I was always good at, you know, putting things together, making the arrangement, you know, making the flow of it. But like I would get a sound of like, oh, this would be doper if it sounded like this. And I'd like holler at a homie deal come in and help me on a record like that. Yeah. Which I think is more just like assisting production, you know. Yeah. Um, like you did something with Harry, Henry Fong, right? Right. Right. You guys just like, how does that work? You guys just. I mean, that was just like a, a straight collab remix. Well, that was a Rema remix. Mm-hmm. Um, but that happened through, I met Rema and his team at some listening party. Yeah. Great uh, artist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and I just reached out. I was like, yo, I'd love to do a remix. And like, all right, fuck it. And I started it and it was like pretty fucking good. And just like, it was kind of like a Moomba kind of bounce record. And yeah. I was like, I love where this is at. But I was like, but my boy Henry's like murders this type of shit. So I got it to a certain point, sent it to him. He finished it. Boom. Done. Wow. Mm-hmm. I actually great. have a fucking unreleased record with Rema. Really? It's so good that, but he didn't finish it. There's like one little bridge that he was like, he was going to get Masego on it. I was like, dude, this is going to be a fucking smash. And I was like, so hype about Yo, it. Yo, finish that shit, bro. I believe me. I'm just trying. <laughs> but like, that was like right around before he like really blew up and like he released an album since then. And I'm, I need to reach back out to see if I could try yeah. and secure that even just for yeah, my Yeah, make shit. that shit happen, man. Yeah, I'll play it for you guys after. It's yeah, so yeah. good. That'd be amazing. Oh, that'd yeah. be can, we, can, we, can we play a snippet of it at the end of the, the, the episode? Maybe uh, You can't do that. Man. Let's, let's play some <laughs> of that. Let's hit you with some of that album. Unless you want to play it now and get a reaction yeah. and then build some hype. I'd rather push some album shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But for y'all, I'll play it for you guys. Okay, so, okay. So. Damn. Wait, so <laughs> everyone's mad now at home. Is that, I mean, does that take like an ego? Like, do you have to like check yourself to be like, yo, I'm going to hit up Henry because he's good at the shit. He can like finish the shit up. No, nah, like we've been homies. We've been doing shows for years years yeah, together yeah, yeah. so like like with all there's like most like producers and artists in the edm world i'm pretty cool with so it's like anything that comes up that makes sense to work with someone it's you know obviously there's still some egos involved mm-hmm. um but like i generally like people who are like that i just don't ask them to do shit i only fuck with people who are actually cool and down to work on shit yeah, you know mm-hmm. so like that thing was I mean, that specifically, me and Henry was just like fucking nine day. It took like two days, just knocked it out, came out, boom. When when you release a song, and I feel like a lot of producers are like younger, younger DJ producers, or actually a lot of dudes that do edits, I feel like they don't push their record consistently enough. Yeah. They give it like only like... Three weeks. Three, yeah, they, they do it for a month, and then they're like, after a month and a half, they're like, all right, this isn't going to blow up, so I'm going to stop pushing the shit. When I feel like, yo, they should just continuously keep pushing yeah. it and pushing it. Pause. Yes. But, <laughs> but how do, I mean, from your perspective, like, am I wrong or is it like, or is there no rhyme or reason to it? It's like, you know, like, do you consistently push something? When do you give up or when do you like? Nah, you know? I mean, like the approach now is just like literally keep pushing shit. Like you said, a month and a half, that's even long for like a lot of shit that I see. Really? I see people, they'll drop a song. One or two Instagram posts, a tweet, then it's gone. They give up on it. Yeah. Like after two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. But that's another reason why, like, with this album, I'm like, 
I drop these singles. So every few weeks I'm pushing these singles, pushing these singles, referencing back to those other ones. And then mm-hmm. when the full album comes out, remarket everything with all that together, you know, it's just like keep regurgitating your shit and putting it in front of people. Cause it, it's going to take a few times to be in front of someone's face before it really resonates with them. You right. Know? So you got to like, I know, like, I used to be like, oh, mad annoying posting this shit again. I'm just like, fuck it, bro. Like, yeah, yeah. if you don't fuck with me and my shit, like, don't watch it, you know? But I got to market my stuff because this is my job and my life, you know? I think one of the things that I really kind of, like, started uh, realizing was, like, back in the day, remember, like, the 90s, we've talked about this before. Like, in the 90s and 80s, there were maxi singles. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. there would be a single, but there would be every t- kind of remix you could think of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There yeah. was, like, a hip-hop remix. Yeah. A R&B club remix. It would be, like, five songs on a 12 There'd inch. be, like, a house shelter remix. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. there'd be, like, another remix or yeah. an acoustic or whatever the yeah. fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's driven, too. Right. And then, yeah. when it, to me, that formula kind of almost still works now. Oh, yeah. Because that yeah. Coiler Race song, right, Players? Yeah. They literally... Not like organically, maxi she created singles. a maxi single. Yeah, for that fucking player I song. I don't even think she realized she. She did didn't that. even realize she did it. <laughs> but she did. She it. did like a East Coast version of that song, uh-huh. which was the Busta Rhymes with the DJ Sage remix. Yeah, and then she did like a Jersey Club remix. Yeah, um, and then there was like a David Guetta remix, mm-hmm. right? Yep. yep. And it was like, yo, this was like. And a she maxi did a remix with Busta. They did with Busta, an official hip hop, yeah, yeah, yeah with, with Busta rap, on it. And, and I think Tokisha's on one of them too. And and she did a reggaeton version yeah, with, yeah, with Tokisha right, on it. That's right. And yeah. the original was very West Coasty, so that covered so that. So if you think about that, that single had so many different layers of mm. promotion yeah. from different remixes. Nah, doing remixes is, is a big part. Like, I'm working on, like, a whole remix album of my album. Yeah, yeah. Like, that I'm not remixing, but I'm that you're reaching giving out to, the homies, to other people. Yeah. Especially because, like I said, this album is kind of more of, like, it's it's vibey and can work at shows, but it's a bit more of a listening yeah. album so like for my normal club or show gigs it might not have the highest energy so i get reach out to the homies to do like fire remixes like yeah. house remix trap remix whatever i was wondering like that to just like turn the record up yeah another notch so there's another whole you know month of promotion around that mm-hmm. and that makes it more playable for x y and z djs right. you know it's just like expands the life of a record for sure Ex- expands the life of yeah. a record you get uh more promotion from the producers that are re- yeah, remixing it all it. snowballs in just yeah, create yeah. awareness for your shit it's yeah, just yeah. like the name of the game yeah i always say like these these uh, djs and uh, dj editors and producers they should be working with their peers more and just keep these edits alive a little bit more like expand <laughs> on it yeah and you know create like these little maxi singles for like some mm-hmm. of the songs that they're doing i mean remix. look at uh eccentric and the beyonce record that yeah. was he slowed that bitch way the fuck down and fucking. And then uh, Trey's FaceTime, they did like an upbeat kind of yeah, version yeah. of it. And it's like, I think if you just take like a dope remix and just leave it as is, I think it has like, you know, a, a lifespan of a certain degree. For sure. But if you give it to another uh, editor or another producer, it keeps going. And then if mm-hmm. you do like another version, another version. Yeah, as long as your name's on that just, shit, it's Just create it's like a around. maxi single of the shit on like Spotify or like SoundCloud or Mixcloud or, or Bandcamp. Yeah. And just keep extending the lifespan of yeah. all of these these tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just ha- working with other people and just yeah. having everyone. Be involved kind of, in it. Yeah. 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 It's just like. Just, just don't let anybody do that. Because everyone's saying like that player song is just not. It could have just been that one version and it would have died. It. That song mm-hmm. would have died, bro. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it had so many different remixes. It stayed alive for like a year. Yeah. Almost. And right? it's still going. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's still, yeah. It's still playable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It really needs that push. Yeah. Pause. Uh, it's funny because. Uh, um, the other day I got home and my girl was rapping uh, Pound Town 
And she's like, my booty, my booty hole brown. I'm like, yo, what? Where did you hear this song? She's like, TikTok. So we got in the car and I put the song on, just mm-hmm. you know, do a joke on her. And she's like, what song is this? And I'm like, this is the one you've been rapping the whole fucking day. And she's like, oh, no, I know another version. So she played me a remix of that song. But I'm just like, if you keep remixing songs, it's just it's going to be here forever. Like, it's not going to be a nonstop point yep. of what song you, as long as you know the lyrics. I mean, if you look at, like, a lot of hits now, they're just flipping old classic songs. You yeah, know, that's, like, yeah. super in right now. And I think that's what she, it was. The remix she played me was, like, a mid-2000 instrumental with the with the Pound Town song. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I heard that one. Yeah. It was almost like a slow jam. Yeah, so yeah. it was different yeah, yeah. from the one. What, the what was that remix? I, I forgot. I think I it was, like, a fabulous uh, beat or some shit. Yeah, like yeah, it was, like, it made it, trade it, made it all, into, like, a 2000s. Oh, like yeah? R&B. I haven't even heard this version. It sounded like a 2000s R&B, like, love song. Yeah. But then it was just, like, my booty hole. Brian, just, like, these lyrics are horrible. This shit. I'm like, you know, my girl, she does not. She yeah, yeah. But it makes it sound like an Ashanti R and B song. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. My booty hole brown. You're like, oh shit, this is like some romantic. I was like, what shit. are you rapping, girl? <laughs> no, we gotta find that remix. I know exactly what you. Somebody did an A of um, Tony Braxton singing that song. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. pretty intense. <laughs> With like with, with, with Tony Braxton's like AI. Booty hole yeah. Brown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, we're almost hitting two hours with you. Which is, this is great though. We're yeah. having a great time. Yeah, we're having like a great time. But I want to promo your album. So when is it dropping the official date? So the official date is September thirteenth. September thirteenth. The Twilight Nine album. It's a nine song album. It's my first like conceptually just all put together. I put out been putting out records for years, but yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. this is the first like Real project, like you have like three to four singles out right now, right? Or- yeah, so there's four singles off the album: um, Sandcastle, Easy Rider, Gems, and High Tide. The first four singles. Um, go check all those out. I got Thousand Volts coming back. I got two other side projects. Me and my boy uh, G Buck just started a side project that I can't say the name yet because mm. it's going to be secret when we drop it. But it's on some like. Like Miami bass meets house meets like new age shit, super hype, like more for the club shit that'll work dope. for like festivals and like regular club shit. Yeah, so yeah. I'm really excited to I, w- I was kind of telling you that that Miami bass sound yeah. is kind of like, it's like, it's really relevant right now with K-pop. Yeah. Like all yeah. that. Like, yeah, pull me down, dude. Yeah, all that <laughs> shit. Yeah. Like all you got to do is listen to like new jeans. Yeah. Like all that shit is new jeans. I think they got their newest single yeah. is kind of like a drum and bass version of uh, shit. So right. super shy. But like all of that shit is literally like social deaf bass all stars. Mm-hmm. Right. It's all that shit like mm-hmm. coming back. So we got that. The name I can't say just yet, but mm-hmm. you're going to. I'm going to give you guys some files. Yeah, I would love right it. Yeah, yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I have another side project with uh, the singer Philip Boudreaux. That's going to be called uh, PB&J, Philip Boudreaux and JCO. That's on some like Rufus the Soul meets Odessa with a touch of What's Sonata Flume in there. It's some real cool You're hitting every shit. market. You're trying to yeah. hit every market. Ah, fuck it, right? <laughs> Throw them darts. Someone's yeah. going to hit. Um, and then obviously, you know, pull up to Gorilla Pies in LA. Yeah. Best right. pizza you'll ever have. And... um. I'm doing a ton of golf shit. If you're in the golf space, hit me up. I'm like traveling around, working with brands, doing mixtapes and events and kind of creating a new lane for D 
DJing and events in the golf world, which has now become Dope. cool, you know? So, so I have a question. If DJs are interested in remixing your tracks, can they reach out and can you, are you going to send them like the stems or like the acapellas or um, open or not? You're not, I mean, I'm, it's not like a open call type yeah. type of thing, but if anyone's like real, real serious about it, hit me up and um, send me some stuff. And if I yeah. fuck with your stuff, well, we could give it a crack. I would love for you to just open some of the doors and see like, and like, like work, with, I should, <laughs> work with some <laughs> different dudes, you know? No, nah, I like, should, I should do like maybe one record. I'll do like a remix competition. Yeah. That'd be yeah. pretty yeah. sick. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be do. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That'd be yeah. a good idea. Yeah. Pay it forward from your uh, master of the mix days. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and your battle days. You know what oh, I'm saying? Man. Um, yo, JCO, thanks so much for coming on, man. Thanks for having yeah. me, it's man. It's been a minute since good. we've we've been able to like, you know, just shoot the shit and talk. Man. Yeah. Like, I mean, man. we never got to chop it up in this yeah. much detail. So it's mm-hmm. a pleasure to see you guys and. You know, just be here. Yeah, congrats, congrats on the album, man. Can't yes, wait to hear more from definitely. you. Thanks, man. Congrats on everything. Fuck. Yeah, congrats yeah. on the pizza, Sean. Yeah. Yeah. Shit, I appreciate it. I can't guys. wait to try the pizza, man. Let's see what's Use a uh, road pie for 20% off at Gorilla Pizza. <laughs> we, we need our own pie. <laughs> we, <laughs> hey, when, hey, when you come in, we can make a custom pie if you guys oh, want to make a road yeah, pie. I, I, two ingredients. It needs oxtail. Right. Exactly. I'm about to say that. I need some oxtail uh-huh. and maybe like either some kimchi or gochujang. They say kimchi. Oh, I'm about to fuck you up, though. Yeah. On that kimchi shit. So on on the rabbi, right? Yeah. Um, Traditionally, there's like a sauerkraut on a Reuben, but Mm -hmm. my brother created something called kraut chi. Oh, kraut chi. It's it's a sauerkraut kimchi hybrid that goes on the pizza. Sounds great. Yeah. Shit. Fire. <laughs> well, just remember oxtail and like maybe gochujang. Okay. Your brother's gonna know what gochujang is. I know what gochujang is. You know, you know. Come on, bro. Okay, okay. Didn't you hear him on the fucking car earlier? He knew everything. I'm fucking, he was on the call. Like, what was that? You were doing like a special like order, a cheese, like an event? Some cheese, yeah, some cheese, this, nah. cheese that. Yeah, because I run a, I'm just was co- coordinating like a hundred person catering event yeah, yeah, for yeah. some shit in LA. Yeah, because they were like, yeah, you know, he was listing all this shit. And he's like, well, yeah, you should try the meat lovers. And they're like, all right, so you don't want no meat lovers? <laughs> you made it seem like that was like a bad decision. Yeah, like, like, you won't fuck right, up. I mean, the meat lovers smacks. What's the what's in the meat lovers? Pause. Um, it's uh, <laughs> That should be the name of it. Meat lovers. Pause. <laughs> it's a uh, bacon, meatball, mm. sopressata, crispy pepperoni. Ooh, nice. Shit. Definitely meet, look at Neva's face, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we're definitely going to try uh, Gorilla Pies. I want to try yeah. the wings, too. Yeah. So. JCL, thank you for coming through. Well, appreciate man. you guys. Good to you, man. Salute to you, man.
Thanks for tuning into The Road Podcast. Don't forget, every Wednesday, we have new episodes on all major streaming platforms. And every Thursday, the video versions go up on our YouTube page. Please subscribe to our channel, youtube.com slash roadpodcast. And to find exclusive clips of the pod, please visit youtube.com slash DJ City. And we'll see you next Wednesday.